Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deckett. Most importantly, you are you, we hope, and you are here. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Now, let's cut to the chase. Usually we save this till the end of the show. We say, find us on Instagram, find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook. Catch us outside. Catch Mm -hmm. us outside. How about that? But uh, today we're going to take care of all of that in the front. Yes, the rumors are true. We're on all of those social media platforms. You may have also heard us talk about something that's very close to our collective heart. That is our new community page on Facebook. It's called Here's Where It Gets Crazy. If you're somehow not on there yet, go ahead, get thee to a computer or mobile device and sign up because this place has become our go-to resource for some fascinating stories, post inspirations for topics uh i think we're also big fans behind the curtain here we're big fans of the memes mm-hmm. there's some pretty uh 
pretty top tier meme makers there. Dude, so I, I need you guys to help me with this. Somebody posted a picture of an armadillo with a tarp or a jacket on it, and it said Noel Brown told me to do this, and I do not understand the reference. Oh man. Do you guys get it? We'd have to go back through the armadillo mentions and references. I don't think we have. Do we tag those? Yeah. Can we, can we, are they searchable in an archive? Here's the brilliant thing. We can just have a – you can log on to the thread and say, hey, what is this? That's literally what I'm doing. I, yeah, say, I love yeah, this, yeah. but I'm afraid I don't get it. <laughs> that's, that's right, folks, because all three of us actively participate on this platform along with our excellent mods. Paul, can we get a, uh, an applause cue for our mods? There we go, right? Because yeah. they're, they're doing solid work. They're humans. They're not even bots. No, no. They are organic mods. We're going old school. They're organically grown? <laughs> they have genetically modified their body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, organically. Oh, wow. So it's a nice little mixture there. Yep. And we know a lot of times people will pay lip service to these kind of things. Oh, go check out this thing that uh, we'll never personally read or whatever. But that couldn't be further from the truth. So today we wanted to take a second to introduce you to some of your fellow listeners. Uh, kind of a enough about us, what about you situation. We were looking through Here's Where It Gets Crazy because we wanted to mention a couple of stories on a show. But as we were digging into things, we found that there were so many great suggestions, comments, and questions that this became its own episode. And stay tuned, folks, because you just might make an appearance in this very episode. It's kind of a grab bag thing. Mm-hmm. Like when we had Lucky Yates from Archer on or when we had a couple of listener mail episodes. You know, we don't grind out the listener mail episodes on the regular. And lately we've had such kind of extensive topics that we've been having a hard time fitting those into the episode. So Ooh. it's really fun to do these kind of hodgepodge episodes where we get to kind of take mini dives into some pretty awesome topics that mm-hmm. maybe don't warrant a whole episode on their own. So we went through uh, independently without really consulting each other and found some stuff that we each personally thought was fascinating. And if you're a longtime listener, you know how the three of us work. We ultimately always end up Voltroning together, getting a Captain Planet kind of thing going on. So you're going to hear a lot of connections drawn by ourselves and then drawn by your fellow conspiracy realist. Let's see. how How should we kick this off? What should we do first? We've got everything in here. We've got stuff from the nature of consciousness, the uh, dangers of DNA, gluten. Yeah, I mean, uh, we can. My stomach is rumbling and making weird sounds. So let's go ahead and start with gluten. I feel like that's a good thing <laughs> All to, right. to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kelsey Hill wrote into us, and that name sounds familiar to me. I'm pretty sure, at least, I've just been reading stuff that you've sent before, Kelsey. I can't remember if we've read something on the show, mm-hmm. but hello to you. You said, hi, y'all. I had a question in reference to all the food episodes and discussions of food conspiracies and such Mm -hmm. concerning gluten. My partner suffers from moderate to severe gluten sensitivity, not celiacs, and cannot ingest any wheat products without ramifications for his body, energy level, mood, etc. And Kelsey also says that his immediate family also experiences this to varying degrees. But what's really interesting is that his parents, when in Europe could eat gluten without consequence. Hmm. And I've heard from other people with gluten sensitivities that they're able to ingest wheat from certain countries that are not the United States. Um, And this led Kelsey to think that it, like, could it be the pesticides or something else? 
that's going on with the U.S. wheat and how it's produced, causing this kind of sensitivity. Um, so anyway, she's she asked me a question about that. I looked into it a little bit, so I've got a few things that we can cover here and we can all kind of go over. Yeah, lay it lay it on us. So the the first thing, Kelsey, is that we've got a House to Forks article called "Is American Wheat Different from European Wheat?" It was written by Bambi Turner in 2015. And in this article, it states that around 60% of United States wheat production is of the hard red wheat variety, and then just 23% consists of soft wheat. Now, in Europe, the uh, principal strains of wheat are generally that of the soft variety. So there's a difference here between the hard and the soft. So let's look at that. Yeah, what, what, what's the difference? Well, the hard wheat has more gluten than the soft wheat, mm-hmm. and the gluten it contains in the hard wheat is much stronger than that which is found in the soft wheat. This tough gluten, it says, is ideal for baking. It's uh, You'll find it in the, the fluffy bread that everybody here in the United States is just used to consuming, unless you're into those hard breads. Which, sure. Which you might be. I'm more yeah. of a matzah guy. Oh, all right. Mm. There's also a um, – on a related thing, there's also a ton of sugar in a lot of U.S. bread, especially mass market. Oh, yeah, absolutely, which is a whole other thing that mm-hmm. we're going to kind of get into here. Mm-hmm. Um, and also lastly in this article, it's important to keep in mind that while the United States imports very little wheat, mm-hmm. Europe actually imports about 1.1 million tons of American wheat every year. So, you you know, even if you're – your significant other and his family are in Europe or other people are in Europe and they're eating wheat, it might be American wheat. Now, have you heard of this notion that gluten sensitivity might not be a thing at all? Oh, my friend, that is the one of the most controversial things that you could say right now well, into a microphone. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a study. 59 people were tested. Over six weeks, they were given three different like cereal bars. One contained gluten. The other contained this thing called fructin. And then the other one contained neither. And um, they rated their discomfort mm-hmm. based on consuming this. Uh, 24 people um, had the most discomfort from the fructin, 22 from the placebo, and then 13 from the gluten. So wow. this study concludes or the notion is that it's fructin that people are sensitive to and not gluten. But celiac disease obviously is still its own thing. It's interesting that you say that because in an article on The Independent uh, regarding what I believe is the same study, they also cite the – they also cite the – let's say, misdesignation of causation here mm. by saying, you know, you may have heard about gluten, right? Or uh, you may have felt that you developed gluten sensitivity, which a lot of people have also said, right? Yeah, you notice when you eat something mm. with wheat in it or gluten, your stomach hurts. But that this might not be, again, the the primary cause. And what's what's fascinating too, I know a lot of people are going to wonder about this, Earlier, Matt, you quoted uh, excellent statistic. 60% of U.S. wheat is hard red wheat. 23%, I believe you said, is the softer variety. So the big question is, what's in that 7%? Oh, yeah. What's the other percent? Well, I know there's um, – I know I honestly am not a wheat expert. I don't know where this falls. But the Durham wheat, which is a specific kind of wheat that's made – they call it pasta wheat. Mm-hmm. It's much harder. And I don't know if that's the hard red wheat mm-hmm. or a different wheat. But that one is produced and it's treated differently than a lot of the others. And like many many of you folks listening out there, we have had those conversations with friends, family members, significant others who 
do not have celiacs but uh, do feel, are convinced that their lives are better without uh, having gluten in their diet. Mm -hmm. And at that point too, you have to wonder the the big question about whether non-celiac gluten sensitivity is is real or if it's just misunderstood. You have to wonder whether you should bother. Like if someone's not hurting someone and they're following a diet that makes them happy and makes them feel better, then what what's the problem? You know what I mean? Yeah, there's no there's no really big problem. The biggest thing is our companies jumping on the bandwagon so much because they know there's mm-hmm. so much profit to be made in a gluten-free uh, fad if there's an environment that's going around. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and, and it's not necessarily wrong of those companies to do that, but it's definitely something that they wouldn't want you to think about. It's, right. It, it's <laughs> wrong if they overstate the case and are misleading about, yeah. you know, the benefits that – I don't know. I mean – I guess I guess it is controversial and the jury is still out. The FDA has very, uh, I would say, narrow controls over yeah. food advertising here in the U.S. That's why you can see so many things with all natural on it or organic. And although they may feel like a panacea, you know, you may feel better paying a dollar extra for that box of cereal, all natural doesn't really have any kind of quantitative base to it. It's something you can just – like in the um, in the early 2000s when everything was organic or in the 90s when everything was digital. Yeah, digital or fat-free. <laughs> digital fat-free toaster. But you found some uh, fascinating information about wheat from a uh, survey in 2015 as well. well yeah, because Kelsey was asking about pesticides mm-hmm. uh, and could that have some kind of side effects on whether or not it hurts our stomachs. Well, the the Agricultural Chemical Use Survey, which uh, it happens every year, um, in 2015, they focused on wheat. And if you go to – there's a couple websites you can go to. I would just go to the USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture website if you're Mm -hmm. interested in this. Mm -hmm. And you can find all of the different surveys that have occurred. And, And with this wheat one, they looked at pesticides, herbicides, and insecticides. And it they just went to 16 different states. And uh, the 16 states that they went to and surveyed, that accounts for 87% of the 54.6 million acres of wheat in the United States in 2015 that's grown. So that's – it's it's most of the wheat grown in the United States they surveyed. Mm-hmm. And they found that herbicides were the most commonly used class of chemicals. That's just for the unwanted plant growth. And they were applied to 61% of winter wheat, 96% of spring wheat and 99% of that hard durum wheat. Pasta wheat. Yeah, exactly. And then fungicides were used in 19% of winter wheat, 51% of spring wheat, and 55% of durum wheat. And pesticides, the the main one that we're looking at here because Mm -hmm. it's actually killing animals. That's what this is meant to do. Um, They were used in 5% of winter wheat, 15% of spring wheat, and 5% of durum wheat. So it's quite a bit lower, actually, in mm-hmm. all of that. If you think about all of that wheat that's produced, mm-hmm. pesticide use isn't really even a factor. Uh, not near as much as herbicide or fungicide. Exactly, see. which are also chemicals that are sure. meant to do harm to organic things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and the, I guess the problem here is that when you start drilling down into, into some of these statistics that the USDA offers, mm-hmm. a lot of it doesn't actually show you precisely which uh, pesticides are used. It'll show you which herbicides are used. Uh, there was a whole section in there about that. But 
the pesticides wasn't even really a big thing that I could find at least. And Monsanto recently uh, recently had a ruling in court that allows nonprofits to sue them for misleading pesticide information. I mean, that's still continuing. Everybody, everybody thought we were being a little tinfoil hat when we talked about neonicotinoids and their effect on bee colonies. Oh, yeah. These things interact in ways we might not understand. Did you guys hear that Monsanto is apparently considering getting into the, uh, the marijuana game? Yes. What do you think about that? Are they going to make Terminator seeds? Like I, Terminator right? cannabis seeds? Mo- gonna... Mono agriculture. Jeez. can go in any direction. There's a there's a lot of money to be made in that stuff too. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it certainly doesn't seem like the kind of thing that the, uh, the freewheeling dope-smoking kids are going to be on board with, you know? No, no, I doubt it. And then also it may be, it may be similar to uh, the way that R.J. Reynolds and other large tobacco manufacturers process right. tobacco. That's right. Like if you, if you smoke cigarettes, if you smoke Camel Lights or mm-hmm. something, you're, you're obviously not just smoking tobacco. There are many additives. So we're going to take a moment here because you said the word of the day, camels. Ah! And, and we're going to jump down to – Herman. <laughs> that was perfect. Right. We're going to jump down to something Jay Mukuyama posted. It is an image. If you guys want to pull this up and peruse it with mm-hmm. me. Oh, yeah. Um, I know the one. Yeah. <laughs> it says – Jay says, what more trustworthy group than doctors and clergy, right? Right. And the image posted is a camel cigarettes ad. And it says – According to repeated nationwide surveys, more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. Doctors in every branch of medicine were asked, what cigarette do you smoke? The brand named most was Camel. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor's choice is America's choice, right? <laughs> yeah. That's also in the ad. And it's got a picture yeah. of this doctor know, with a cigarette. He's just... so distinguished. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got a little bit of gray at the temples, so he's still yeah. like – uh, he, he's he's wise, perhaps mm-hmm. beyond his years, and he's re- he's profoundly chill. Yeah, the, this is interesting. This is only one of many of these old, very misleading advertisements, right? But it does also show us um, that we we have always lived here in the U.S. in a society that makes quite a bit of coin off of convincing people that unhealthy things are going to be just fine overall. Oh, yeah. Like all the advertisements uh, for lard. Did you ever <laughs> read those? Oh, man. Look, I got to read some of this copy, though. Make this sensible test. Smoke only camels for 30 days and see how well camels please your taste, how well they suit your throat as your steady smoke. You'll see how enjoyable a cigarette can be. I love that idea. Just try it out for 30 days. Yeah, just sure. just buy our cigarettes and smoke them all the time for 30 days. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice that it's, you really like it. We'll certainly notice the profits <laughs> yeah. one way or the other. But there's – you know, this also smacks of Edward Bernays. I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. With, uh, with the – when he when he conflated the idea of women's suffrage and lucky strike cigarettes, mm-hmm. right – and had uh, had people wear green and smoke in public. Uh, it, it was a very clever way of moving the profit needle. But again, I think these are these are still somewhat related because we're talking we're still talking about mono agriculture, right? And we're talking about additives um, put into. Food. I don't know about you guys, but when we did several terrifying things, you may have just eaten. Mm-hmm. It affected my weekend. 
Oh, man, Joe C. has a really great comment on this image. Uh, it says, all drugs have to have fake ads because if they really told you what's real, it would just be all the stuff they say really quickly at the end. <laughs> right. uh, he says, sugar, alcohol, tobacco, opioids, gambling, pharmaceuticals, all drugs. Weed would probably be the only drug that would have honest commercials. Uh, yeah. Well, if Monsanto or another large agricultural concern gets a hold of it, they won't be honest commercials. No, it's going to change the tide. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll have things where where you'll see somebody smoking a joint or something. It, it goes out partway through, and they're like, oh, man, now I have to start my reggae record all over again. And you'll have the voice, has this ever happened to you? Try Monsanto. Easy burn, guaranteed smooth all day long. Apparently like indica means in the couch. Da, 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 da. You heard of this? According to you know people. <laughs> okay. I according to, according to our producer Paul. That's right. Oh, no, don't throw Paul. Don't, in whoa, whoa, whoa. don't throw Paul, Paul in the, the couch. Dead bus in the couch. Don't throw him in the couch. Uh, but Matt, going back to the going back to some of the stuff you were digging into regarding gluten and wheat, it seems like your your trending toward the idea that there may be something else at play here. Is that correct? Well, yeah, sure. And I think there are a lot of different things going on, a mm-hmm. lot of different reasons to to have some kind of sensitivity in this way. And I definitely don't think it's made up. I think just it's we're having a hard time as a society nailing down all the things that we're doing to our food and which ones are working in concert with each other and <laughs> which ones, you know, what's what's the actual culprit here? There might be one thing that we can find here. And that's this thing called FODMAPs. Which I love. The dastardly FODMAPs. That sounds like a rolled doll <laughs> creature. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it stands for fermentable, oligo, dye, and monosaccharides, and polyols. Polyols, another character. It sounds like the FODMAP, the Noid, and the polyols. Yeah. That's, that's going to be Super Producer Paul's new nickname, Polyol. Paul y'all. <laughs> There's y'all, all y'all, and Paul y'all. That's all of y'all and Paul. Oh, wow. All yeah. right, guys. So these are types of carbohydrates uh, or sugars that are found in certain foods, and these might be difficult for some people to digest. Here are a few examples of things with these carbohydrates. Milk, bananas, asparagus, honey, beans, mushrooms, fruit, cauliflower, anything with certain food additives, and anything with sorbitol or xylitol and other sugar-free sweeteners. There's a whole ton of things that have these carbohydrates in them. And here's uh, why they could be a a big problem. Like we said, they're hard to digest. Mm -hmm. Um, In 2013, there was a study done. There's a study here you can find uh, at gastrojournal.org. And it says, no effects of gluten in patients with self-reported non-celiac gluten sensitivity after dietary reduction of fermentable, poorly absorbed short-chain carbohydrates or Mm. these, what do we call them? FODMAPs. 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 (laughs) Okay. So if we jump down in here, it shows that all of the patients in this study, if you're looking through the abstract, Mm -hmm. all of them removed these FODMAPs from their diet and all of them said that they or had at least decreased uh, effects or feelings of, of gastrointestinal issues after cutting this stuff out, and they could eat gluten. Hmm. They had no problems eating gluten when this stuff was out. Um, I, I don't know. That's, that's just really interesting to me, that, that whole idea of FODMAPs. I've never heard of these. The way I found them is by watching this video called Three Gluten Myths. 
Uh, it, you can find it on the How Stuff Works YouTube channel. I don't think we need to have people go out of their way. Yeah, yeah. You should stop stop driving right now, uh, pull over, and watch Three Gluten Myths. You'll find Mr. Ben Bolin in really a don't have to check Stuff out. They Don't Want You to Know shirt making the grandest entrance to a video I've ever seen. The classic stuff they don't want you to know, T. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- thanks, Matt. Uh, also, even more importantly, Matt, uh, thank you for uh, providing the information in the video so people have saved time. Uh, <laughs> they don't have to go see that. That's only one of the myths. Uh, all right, yeah. So <laughs> you, found some other, you found some other stuff uh, as well from the BBC, is that correct? That also relates to FODMAPs? I'm oh, just yeah. finding excuses to say FODMAP. Uh, no problem. Just because Kelsey was comparing the American wheat to mm-hmm. uh, European wheat. So according to the BBC, more than 4 million people in the UK suffer from irritable bowel syndrome. That is an unfortunate statistic. Mm-hmm. And research shows that up to 86% of people who follow a low FODMAP diet mm-hmm. notice a significant improvement in symptoms. So how difficult would it be to, just like the camel cigarette ads of old, how difficult would it be for someone to try this out for 30 days, to cut out FODMAPs? Well, if you try our FODMAP diet for 30 days, you're going to love the mouthfeel. The problem is, the problem is, it's extremely difficult to do this unless you have someone you're working with or a plan that you're following. Because or a nutritionist or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And which costs money and a lot of us can't afford that. But you you can find things online that will show you exactly what you can cut out and uh, what you should at least avoid mm-hmm. or just lessen. Mm-hmm. It is difficult, but I just want to say, hey, you can do it out there. My wife is going through something. She's cutting out candida, which is a whole other thing. It's like a yeast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy difficult, but we're getting by and we're not spending a ton more money than we usually would. Mm-hmm. So just go out there and you could do it and feel better. I want to try a fad diet. Okay. Can I do the, the, the South Beach diet? Can I bring that back? Done. Also, there's a, another thing we could mention. Well, there's one thing we must mention. We are not medical professionals. Yes. This is not medical advice, but it appears there's much more to the story of gluten than, you know, the average three-minute news report would have us believe. Yes. And that is not all the research. Just go out there and uh, good luck to you, Kelsey, and uh, your significant other in the family. Mm-hmm. And we want to hear from you. What's, what's your take? Do, have you tried – Uh, One of those diets where you cut out certain things to trace an allergy. If so, do you think it worked? Have you, have you ever, to Noel's earlier point, have you ever tried a fad diet? Or what's the craziest one you've ever heard of? I'm sorry. It's inherently dismissive to call it a fad diet. That's not fair. Uh, But, you know, some of they come and go, though. There are certain, but again, I think it's a product of this advertising culture that we live in where it's pretty easy because people are looking for solutions to go full bore into something that they don't fully understand a lot of the times in the hopes that they'll see some either quick results or Mm -hmm. some improvement to their quality of life. So I I see absolutely no – I mean that's no diss on that. Mm -hmm. If I thought I could get – you know, I tried the paleo thing for a while. So I didn't mean to uh, to sound dismissive. but No, not at all. It's all based on what you said earlier, Matt. There's so many combinations and possibilities of things Mm -hmm. that could be effing us up as far as, you know, the way we feel in our health. It's it's crowdsourced – Scientific method. That's what fad diets are. And, does uh, this work? Why? What doesn't it work? And, and why, then right? also it's – there's so much marketing inherent there. There's the idea of a silver bullet 
an instant solution, you know? Mm-hmm. Why, why should I have to exercise when I can just eat grapefruits for a year? Oh. I made that one up. Please don't eat grapefruits for a year. I'm thinking about getting a fecal transplant. That's a real thing. Our buddies over at Stuff You Should Know have a uh, fantastic episode on that. I bet Stuff to Blow Your Mind does as well. Oh, I think they have. You eat it in capsule form, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) The technology's gone a long way. Boy, has it ever. There's no more pooping back and forth forever. Oh. Which is a I made a rom com reference. That's not a rom com. That is not a rom com, sir. Wait, what film is it? <laughs> Me and you and everyone we know. It's oh, just a I'm fabulous not. film. My, <laughs> it's just a my knowledge movie. of pop culture is <laughs> Ben. Don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. Should we take a break and then do some more of these? Let's return. We'll be back in just a moment. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. 
With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And we're back. Another post that really captured our attention, uh, captured your attention for sure, Noel, is from Elise Hurt, who writes to us about DNA. Yeah, it's true. It was actually this and another one that sort of I'm going to smosh together mm-hmm. to um, make a really good conversation starter here. Elise uh, posted an article from the Associated Press. The headline is U.S. wants one million people to share DNA health habits for science. For science. Yeah. Of course. And it's so short, I'm just going to give you the quick rundown. It's one of these little one-paragraph AP articles. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is an interesting thing that's happening. U.S. researchers are seeking a million volunteers for an ambitious project to learn uh, to better customize health care. The National Institutes of Health will open nationwide enrollment on Sunday, uh, and that was uh, several weeks ago. Um, so this is happening now. Uh, for what's called the All of Us Project, officials announced details about the study on Tuesday, saying they they aim to compare how genes, lifestyles, and environments interact. They hope to unravel why some people escape illness and others don't, so eventually doctors can better tailor advice on disease prevention and treatment. Researchers are seeking volunteers from all walks of life, the healthy and the not-so-healthy. Answers won't come quickly. Participants agree to share their medical records, DNA, and health habits, and be tracked for at least 10 years. So there's some depth to the study on the x-axis. Yeah, and there's some depth to this topic because this really ties into the whole discussion surrounding things like uh, 23andMe and Ancestry.com and the idea of having doing this fun little experiment where you kind of get your, your family history by putting your, your – your cells, you know, and shipping them off to a company. Swab a cheek, yeah, spit swab a, a cheek, spit in a vial. Um, the implications for that are well beyond what we see in front of us right now. Oh my gosh! Yes, this is going to become one of the, I would say, one of the most unexpected plot twists of the near future because we have an episode uh, coming out pretty soon wherein we dive into the story of the original Night Stalker and how he was captured or ultimately captured. And it was through a DNA database. And it's very easy for us to say, well, if you haven't taken a DNA test for one of these private companies, then you're safe, right? It couldn't be further from the truth. If you're related to someone who's in the military or law enforcement, some version of your DNA is on file. If you're related to someone who's ever been to prison, some version of your DNA is on file. Depending on which states you go to, the laws may change, and the legislation is uh, not as solid as you would as you would think. So, what what are some of the implications of this stuff? Well, Ben A says Twenty uh, Three and Me is a government DNA collection program. People pay the government to take and analyze their DNA and permanently store the information. I think that's probably one extreme. 
of, of the, the way we can view this stuff, mm-hmm. that it's directly tied to the government and that it's, it's some kind of, you know, massive database that we're participating in. Everything's being cataloged for later use. Wait, uh, is it government sponsored? No, it's not it, it, on the surface. I mean, I think the idea – this is a, a bold claim okay. by, this, uh, by this individual. Um, I, but I, what I'm saying is I think that's sort of the extreme mm-hmm. um, view of what this could possibly be, that there is some kind of direct collusion between – between these companies and some unseen government hand. Mm-hmm. I okay. Yeah, I could see how that would be extreme and without too many spoilers for stuff. One way it could work, not saying this is the case, but one way it could work is uh, a case wherein something like 23andMe has a, an agreement where they say, we will not currently share your DNA information with anyone other than law enforcement, right? But – they will allow you to opt in for research purposes or opt out. And that means that they are then selling or sending the aggregate data to maybe a research institute or a, uh, a new project, right? But who funds that project? If that's the case, if the, gov- if the U.S. government or some other government is funding a research project and that research project is getting the DNA, then – no, 23andMe doesn't directly work with the government, but uh, the connection's still there. It makes me think of things like doctor-patient privilege mm-hmm. where, you know, where where's the line? Like if, if law enforcement are seeking information, they reach out to these companies, the companies are compelled to provide them with this information. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. They, they are either – they can do one of two things. They are required to either comply and hand over the information in what's called a familial search or they are required to dispute the request and have and say as a company to whatever law enforcement agency is making the request, they're required to say, no, we're not doing it. Here's why. And yet Apple wouldn't give up information on those, uh, those shooters. Remember that? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't uh, unlock their phone because they claimed it was a breach of their personal data or that they weren't able to do it. But everyone knew that they, they could do it if they wanted to. They just didn't want to open that can of worms and set that precedent. So how come our data is so sacrosanct but our genetic fluids are Your not. Your genetic data? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like how much more personal can you get? I think it's because, again, we talk about on the show often, but legislation so often lags far behind technological innovation. Mm. We don't know – as a society, we don't know what sorts of laws we are supposed to be writing for this. The closest thing we have uh, here in the States is something that is known as GINA the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, which is currently under attack as we record this. How so? Uh, There are several factions in Congress who want to rework this, either um, some on a state level and some on a federal level. The act is from 2008, and the one-sentence explanation is the idea that it will protect individuals from what they call genetic discrimination in health insurance and employment. So, for instance, let's say all three of us uh, got a job at uh, got a job as astronauts. All okay. four of us, Paul, you're part of this too. So, all four of us get a job as astronauts, and in the hiring process, they say you or you or you have a 
marker on your DNA that shows us you have a genetic predisposition toward prostate cancer or something. And that doesn't mean you have it. It means your odds of getting it are higher. You can still work here, but the insurance company is not going to take you. That's, that's what would happen. The law is supposed to stop that. The law is not effective currently, and it's going to be less effective as we go on. Interesting. Yeah. Have you heard of the Sorensen database? What is the Sorensen database? It's a, it's a genetic lab um, that's owned by Ancestry.com mm-hmm. that claims to, ha- to be the foremost collection of genetic genealogy data in the world. And there's an article that Kat, uh, one of our moderators on the page, posted in response to this thread that we're talking about. Um, Headline is, How Private DNA Data Led Ohio Cops on a Wild Goose Chase and Linked an Innocent Man to a 20-Year-Old Murder Case. I remember this one. What happens? What happens? Well, um, there was a young woman named Angie Dodge um, who was killed in 1996, and there was semen collected from the crime scene, um, but the case went cold because they were not able to match to any DNA to anything that they had in their criminal database. Mm -hmm. But with the advent of all of this uh, mining of this genetic stuff Mm -hmm. that's available to the police now because of these – databases that are far more vast because it's like Facebook, right? We're just giving it away now, you know? Mm -hmm. So that, you know, when you start tapping into that, it's a whole other can of worms. Um, Apparently, they got a false match and it kind of railroaded um, somebody's life. Yeah. And we can, as a society, attempt to compensate people for that, that kind of wrongful imprisonment or harassment, but you can't give people time back. You can't undo the hours or years or in some cases decades. This is interesting. They matched uh, the DNA to a man who was born in the 50s who did not fit the profile of the of the murderer, um, but they still used this information, this just genealogical information to trace uh, his line of descendants and they found his son who Mm. was born in 1979 and did fit the profile of the murderer. See? They, they, uh, then they started digging through his Facebook, right? So we go from, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. catalogs of his genes to then we go to catalogs of his memories and his life that's, like, collected on a database voluntarily. Social habits. Available. All yeah, it's all exactly. All connected. All connected. Um, and they found out some information about him that he had uh, made some films, uh, short films, fictional short films that sure. were violent in nature and dealt with homicide. Oh, that's him. Definitely. We got right. our guy. We got oh. our guy. So based on this information, uh-huh. they got a warrant to swab his his uh, his DNA and, and do another match. Um, I really recommend going into this. Or I don't want to sum up the yeah, whole thing. Sure. But the point is it was a real problem for this gentleman and it, mm. and it proved to not be the case. And, of course, you know, we're not telling you to never take a DNA test. There's a neat thing about it. And realistically – some member of your family, if not you directly, one of them is already in one of these databases. For sure. And just to uh, backtrack, yeah, yeah. This, this article is on the Electronic Frontier Foundation, mm-hmm. um, EFF.org. So, I mean, they do have a 
you know, they've, they've got a line in the sand here. This is sort of an advocacy group for protecting civil liberties and guarding against this kind of exploitation of, of data. True. Um, but it's you can't deny the, the trajectory of this story and how it connects with all this other stuff. And it's despite their mission mm-hmm. statement, they do a very good job, I would say, of attempting to be as objective as possible. No, this is a very well-written, well-researched article um, with a lot of – real hard facts and references. I mean, I really recommend checking it out. How private DNA data led Ohio cops on a wild goose chase and linked an innocent man to a 20-year-old murder case. I We have to ask everyone listening, Did you have you already taken a DNA test? If so, did you get results that surprise you? Mm-hmm. That stuff is kind of fascinating. Did I tell right? you how underwhelming my results were? I did one yeah. for a show I worked on with Julie Douglas, who's a coworker of ours, and we I did this this I think it was the spit vial. I did that one. I think it was Ancestry, but I I was expecting to get some like real info, like some hard lineage and names and family tree type stuff. Mm-hmm. They just sent me back a thing that said I was mainly Nordic. And then they gave me a little information packet on what the history of Nordic people is. It was a ripoff. I had paid money for that. I would have been upset. So, like, did they do a percentage at all? Yeah, I don't even remember what it was. It was so underwhelming. I just kind of was like, all right, this this is dull. I can see Nordic. Yeah, I like, Nor- I like the Nordic, yeah. Uh, just really quickly, I mm-hmm. want to jump in here with somebody who commented on this thread. Joe Can- uh, Contini, mm-hmm. he's playing devil's advocate over here, and I got to say, I kind of agree with him. We've talked about all the dangers of this DNA collection, the potentials. He says, look, no science is inherently bad. Knowing people's DNA can allow us to predict all kinds of things, even how their taste buds taste spice. We can find causes to cancers, Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. muscular dystrophy, and all kinds of other things. It could give us early warning so we could save people and help them live longer and better lives. Yes, someone could do bad things with it, but is that a reason for us not to do something? Should fear of big bad brother stop us from moving forward with science and technology? Should we get rid of everything because it can be used against us? No, I say. No, I do not think so. Goodness, this guy is fiery. Well, that's a great, great performance too, Matt. Joe Contini knows. So the, this is a ongoing debate. It's only going to become more important as we progress as a society and as a species. We want to know where you fall on this line. Is it stop? Is it there are some things humanity was not meant to do or know? Or is it forward to the future? Forget the breaks. Cut the lines. Let's see where we end up by sunset, right? Yeah, jeez. I like that. One last little cap that goes along with the, mm-hmm. with the one you just said. Um, Christy M. Uh, says this. She says, the people who are most against or afraid of this kind of thing don't seem to understand how DNA works and the very minimal amount of information you give them via spit. It's a single book on a shelf of countless others, a single section of data. The government already has access to most of that information on you available elsewhere, right down to your sleeping patterns, hair type, and risk factors for most illnesses. We should still be responsible with our data and not just blindly offer it up or we also need to understand how DNA works and just be cautious in all the other areas of our lives where we offer that stuff up without hesitation. Mm-hmm. If you've ever needed a blood test, you give them way, way, way more information than a spit sample and are trusting a government-funded hospital institution to actually throw it away, do the right thing by patients in the same way you trust a small facility to throw it away if you ask them to. It's just something you need to pay attention to. I think that's also a great point because There's a radical assumption here. Would we actually be revealing something we would want to keep a secret? Most of the stuff is probably stuff you don't really know about yourself. And it could be medically useful. And we have to say in the interest of fairness that 
the private entities who are doing this have a have a hard line in all of their terms and conditions and all of their statements. They say that any information given is like the big data argument. It's aggregate. It's anonymous. They're not saying, oh, Matt Frederick has the mutant gene to be able to live at high altitudes till he's 95. They don't know. Their, their argument is this percentage of these people living here that have this percentage of this DNA have this percentage of this thing. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that doesn't sound so unreasonable. No. What does sound a little unreasonable is where some of this discussion went where it started getting into cloning, um, which I always uh, find enjoyable. Um, first off, someone says, uh, Matthew G., once he found out about the clause in the terms of service that says – Companies like Ancestry can keep your DNA for use with future technology. He stopped wanting to do it. He says, thoughts of Ancestry.com mining colonies full of clones of their customers forced (laughs) into labor on some distant alien world filled my nightmares. (laughs) To which Ben A. responded, creating a clone requires a fertilized embryo. If you don't inject the clone DNA, it just grows up into whatever it was going to be already. Why would they clone their customers? They can just find one perfect slave and copy that person over and over again. Final response here. But I don't think the government wants the headache of a clone army. There you go. So let us know your position on clone armies. We'll be back after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up... So does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. 
Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. We have one more thread, and it is from Eric A. Eric writes, So this is something I've pondered for a while now. The Fermi paradox is usually only applied to extraterrestrial life, but there isn't an equivalent for figuring out how many different kinds of intelligent life could have existed on Earth. A part of what started this thought of how many intelligent beings could have existed came from research I did after watching the documentary Sirius, like the star, not like the mood. After this, I decided to explore the question of how many different types of humans could have existed. Could the alien mentioned in Sirius be human? Is it genetically possible for a human to be that small? And he goes through some of the stuff he found. The average man, he says, is 72 inches tall. But this Atacama man, which we talked about in a previous episode, right? Stephen Greer mm-hmm. is one of these. Is uh, six inches. Uh, he says the tallest known human was Robert Wadlow according to him, uh, and he looks at the scale of these and he incorporates Gigantopithecus and he talks about the size differences between smallest, largest cetaceans, you know, blue whales and so on. He had a cool chart that he posted as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah, we encourage you to check it out. And he admits that what he's done is not a comprehensive study, but he wonders something that we've asked before on the show. Uh, He wonders whether some of those legends and pieces of folklore about the small folk or giants, you know, uh, if they came from some other early mixtape of what would become Homo sapien. And this is fascinating to us because we went went back when the Denisovans were discovered. We did early man, right? Neanderthal, Denisovans – Homo sapien. Homo floriensis. Yes, just so. The ones that would be the so-called island hobbits. Only discovered in 2003. That's super recent, right? And they've so far only been discovered in Indonesia. Their society or they were alive at least somewhere between 100,000, 60,000 years ago. And here's the thing. Although they were about three feet, six inches tall and they had tiny brains, they made tools – They hunted uh, elephants, small island elephants, and they also uh, got in, you know, street fights with Komodo dragons. That was one of the predators of this life form. Never do that. No. And the big question that first came out with uh, with this discovery was, well, 
is this a different species or is this just a group of people that have maybe shared a medical condition due to inbreeding or a small population size? Is this instead um, a group of people who lived somewhere long enough to to be affected by island dwarfism? Right now, people will tell you that – at least if you look at the Smithsonian current research, you'll see people say that there are as many as 20 different species of early human, counting counting our hobbits here. But here's the thing. Even now, the experts don't agree. Some people will tell you that uh, one species is fictitious because all they found was a bone from something that could have been a pre-existing species and they just wanted the acclaim. They wanted to be the person who discovered a new thing. What we, what we do know, however, is that we can only tell the intelligence of a lot of other early human species by looking at the physical remains of what they've done, right? The, how did they bury their dead? Did they have an idea of mortality? Did they build tools? Did they make art, right? And that's a lot different from being able to get an MRI scan or an IQ test. Or send their DNA to Ancestry.com. Or send their DNA to Ancestry.com. Full circle. Full circle. Uh, I wonder if they had any gluten allergies back then. (laughs) Double, triple, full circle. Oh, man. Wheels within wheels. So we know at least two early early versions of humanity did breed with Homo sapiens, Denisovans, Neanderthal. And the reason we know this is because fragments of, I mean, their souls, if you believe in souls, linger in our modern day DNA and our bodies are like these haunted houses for these ghosts of these other things that were so much like human beings. Speaking of ghosts, mm-hmm. I'm, st- I'm doing it, man. I know you've got lots more to awesome things to say here. Somebody posted a video that uh, said ghosts are real. Did you see that one? Oh, what, what, did you watch it? Yeah, it's an infrared camera uh, in oh. a train station. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And it's totally someone passing gas. Anyway. It's a, go- <laughs> it's a gas ghost. It is. It's a uh, gas ghost. All right, let's get back to the show. Oh, well, so, so that's the question. The question itself is difficult to answer, and it's one of the reasons I, I like it so much, Eric, because – we're trying to ask about intelligence. Typically, we as a species make this mistake. When we ask what intelligence is, we also are asking what does it mean to be human? Those two things are not necessarily related, right? We know that dolphins, elephants, corvids, all kinds of other animals exercise what we would call uh, higher cognitive functions. And then even at, at an even more square one level, we have no real definition of intelligence. We've been kind of BSing back and forth on it for centuries. The IQ test is culturally dependent. No one can agree if uh, whether intelligence is like multimodal, whether there's a hard number for it, whether it just becomes an issue of how competent you are in a given environment. Like the, the, uh, if we're comparing the intelligence between, say, a tiger and an astrophysicist who has, um, you know, who is somehow physically disabled, if we're defining it by intelligence, then in the jungle, the tiger is going to be considered much more intelligent. But if they're both asked to write out 
mathematical formulas or explain velocity to a bunch of freshmen, then the astrophysicist is going to, you know, be the clear pick. Yo, don't discount my boy Tiger, man. He, okay. he come on. Dr. T, Professor yeah. Tiger. And then, you know, I, I'm, I'm ranting a little bit here, but this question, just like the DNA stuff we brought up, is going to be increasingly important in the near future because if you are listening to this now, there is a very, very high chance that within your lifetime, the first non-organic machine consciousness will exist and it will have very little in common with us. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you guys remember Cleverbot? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved, I loved Cleverbot, uh, but it also made, it makes me think of um, was it Tay, the Microsoft Twitter bot, the one that got really racist yeah, really quickly. It, it turned into a monster in twenty four hours because well, it was just all about you know that Twitter is like a cesspit of of weird aggro racist behavior, and it was just kind of spitting out what it was getting fed. Right? We would think. I'm having deja vu, guys. I know we recently talked about this. Mm. Matt is Matt is looking back and forth <laughs> at me and Noel. <laughs> wait, wait, no, uh, elaborate. What's going on? Oh no, no. We just we had a long discussion about Cleverbot and Tay like mm. twenty episodes ago. Oh yeah, yes. And I just remember how disturbing it was. You have a mind like um, a steel trap, my friend. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was 24 episodes. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, we stand corrected. Uh, there's a great article that I'll, I'll post regarding this, this question, Eric, and it comes from our friend and erstwhile guest, Damian Patrick Williams, who recently at a conference on technology, phenomenology, the process of discovery uh, and consciousness, talked about how we would have to how we will have to redefine our our assumptions of intelligence when machine consciousness comes into the forefront and listeners you'll recall that we already talked about in the past the idea that ai might already be here and is just hiding under the guise of bitcoin what bitcoin is an intelligence yeah that was remember it was part 2 of our cryptocurrency episode yeah, God, that was a haze for me. And then, of course, a lot of people would say, well, are human beings that intelligent? Is Earth itself somehow an intelligent superorganism? And if so, how would we even measure that? You know, we don't know yet. Now I'm just piling questions on with no answers. But yeah, it is a mistake to think that A, we have intelligence figured out and B, that it is solely the domain of our specific brand of primate. Agreed. Uh, we could keep going. We could keep going because, again, we love this community page, but we may have to call it a day for now and get back into some weird research. Well, this is a lot of fun to do. Um, I, I, me personally, I enjoy having these discussions where we can kind of move between a couple of different topics, and we hope that you like it too. And keep it coming on the page because this is just a great way to have everyone involved directly and also a lot of fun for us just to be able to ha- kind of have these kind of freewheeling conversations. I dig it. Dude, same here. And there's so many people we didn't even discuss. Hunter Vanyo posted a thing about the NXVIM that we're – I've been digging deep into, Ben. I think we're, we might even cover that for mm-hmm. an episode at mm-hmm. some point. Um, I think it's called Nexium. I don't know how they pronounce it. Mm-hmm. All kinds of stuff in here that we've just been going through and watching. Um, just thank you. You guys are doing an awesome, awesome service for us, but we're also really enjoying – 
just spending time with you guys. Yeah, so drop by, say hi to your fellow listeners. Uh, you are all, specifically you, the most important part of this show. And this is on Facebook. We are active on there. You can hear from us. You might sometimes even see one of the mods tag us. <laughs> If, if we said we were going to answer something, we lagged behind a little bit. Uh, in the meantime, you can also find us, as we said, on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. And you can, get this, folks, call us directly and leave a voicemail. And we wish you would. Mm-hmm. Please? You can call us toll-free, 1-833-STDWYTK. Tell us a story. We'll play it on the show. We mm-hmm. swear. Yeah? Well, Maybe. <laughs> and with that, of course, thank you so much for tuning in. If you have questions that you feel uh, maybe aren't ready for the public sphere and you want to just speak with us directly, mm-hmm. we've got you covered there, too. We have an email address. You can write to us. We are conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.